Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. Hello and welcome to this special edition of the Manchester Is Red podcast from the Manchester Evening News. I'm Rich Fay and I'm joined today just by one person, but we'll make up for the lack of numbers with a bumper podcast. Don Boo, how are you doing? Very good, uh, Rich, and good to be with you. It's the dream team, isn't it, today? It really is the dream team, and hopefully it can be a good listen for you as well. Uh, we're recording this during the international break, so there's not too much Manchester United news to talk about, although we will come on to some of it later in the podcast. But this one is a special loan report. Myself and Dom have done a lot of work at sort of youth level this season. We're going to look at the players who are out on loan from Old Trafford and see how they're getting on, really, and maybe evaluate their chances and see what the future holds for each individual um there are some maybe younger players which we won't go into too much detail of but we'll look maybe at the the key names who are out on loan and there's one place to start jesse lingard dom uh, there's been a bit of a revitalization lots of fans saying you know after his impact at west ham he's back in the england squad should he be back in the united squad next season there's there's debate you can see either side of it he's a good squad player but he wasn't being used as one anyway when he's at old trafford what do you what have you made of jesse lingard's loan and what do you think the future does hold for him in a united shirt anyway yeah, I suppose if we're talking about all these players, lone players and youngsters in this podcast, I suppose Lingard is a, in a bit of a category of his own, obviously 28 and having had a, a you know good career of it in the United first team for, for a few years and having obviously been in the World Cup with England and, you know, he needed to go away to West Ham. I think everyone, everyone should really accept that he needed to go away to West Ham and have a change of scenery, rediscover himself. I think he's got um, five goals and three assists in seven games for... For David Moyes' side, he obviously, he looks to be just playing with the joy, you know, a pure enjoyment of the game that had obviously disappeared from his game a little bit at United. And I think nobody can really begrudge him that. I think when it comes to his United future, I wouldn't be one of those immediately calling for him to to return to the first team squad next season to play a, a major role. Not that I don't think he's good enough. I just think that United have moved on from Jesse Lingard and, He's probably moved on from United. He seems to to be, you know, in, enjoying life at West Ham. And United have got Bruno Fernandez, they got Donny Van der Beek, you know, a host of other players that could add Ahmad and and Facundo Pelistri into that mix as well. Who they've obviously signed for positions similar to Lingard. Um, I don't know about you, Rich, but I, I just think this is a natural breaking point with Lingard and United. And you know, there should be no hard feelings, really. I think it, it it's the best for all parties that he's he's gone to West Ham and he should probably stay there. Yeah, exactly. And I, I'm glad for him because, you know, he was at risk of becoming sort of a meme and becoming just this sort of scapegoat where United fans have maybe turned on him a bit and forgot that he is a very ta- talented footballer, technically great. You know, I mean, there was that quote years ago from Rennie Mornstein who, who compared him to the English sort of Iniesta. And I know that was always going to sort of hamper Lingard. And obviously he, he is Iniesta, but he is Jesse Lingard and he's a very good player for a team at like West Ham. And from his point of view as well, you'd rather be the best player at West Ham than one of the worst, probably, at United and not get a look at it, not get a fair chance to, to play every week. And, you know, footballers, your career is so short. You want to be playing every week. You want to be in the England squad. That was never going to happen for him at United, playing second mm. fiddle. 
and at West Ham it has. And I guess the other thing for Lingard is it almost frustrates me. I, I know they're not quite in the same category, but someone like Phil Jones, why can't he go out on loan to a mid-table Premier League team and revitalise his career as well and, and get yeah. this sort of run of games and get his confidence back up? I just think, like you said, the Lingard loan has been perfect for all parties. But just because you're doing well on loan, that doesn't mean that you should come back to United and, and go back to the first team at all. His, his stock value is, is higher than it's probably ever been. He's even in a difficult financial window, he's going to be an attractive player for many clubs, you know, not just West Ham. United will be able to get a decent fee for him and they should cash in. And like you said, I'm just glad that his United career is almost going to end on the high of people being reminded just how good a footballer he is because he's another player who he might not be Rashford, he might not be one of your class 92, but he's another success story of the academy. And he's a player who throughout his career has been on low moves. That's how he got his chance in the United first team to begin with and it, it will probably be his lifeline in, in saving his career as well so yeah Jesse Lingard for me has been a, a real success story but that doesn't mean that he, he should get a chance when he comes back yeah I think people said this with Chris Smalling didn't they when he went away on loan to Roma and then there was discussions about whether United would sell him to Roma or bring him back into the first team squad and people have selective memory and they think well you know why can't the good times come back to Paul Trafford with a certain player but there's a lot of things we, we sometimes discount, like the personal side of, of a player and, you know, their happiness off the field. I think that's definitely coming to play with, with Lingard. And I'm happy to see him back in the England squad as well. It'll be interesting to see how he fares. We're obviously recording this on the day of England's uh, World Cup qualifier with San Marino. It'd be interesting if, if Lingard is involved and in the other two games that they've got in the next week. So, yeah, um, best of luck to Jesse Lingard, I say. You know, he, he deserves a, a little bit of success after a tough time. Yeah, but the tragedy is, I guess, that not every loan is a success. I think maybe we'll almost work our way down the age brackets. I guess we come to the two Pereiras next, Andreas at Lazio, where he's not really done too much. You know, he's played quite a few games, but he's struggled to make a real impact. And there's no sort of indication that Lazio will want to make his move permanent in the summer. And then you've got Joel Pereira, the forgotten man. Jose Mourinho called him the future of Portuguese goalkeeping. You don't fancy Portugal's <laughs> chances if he is because he can't even get a game at Huddersfield. And they're two players who, you know, came with a, a lot of hype, really. And the other thing they've got is they've got kind of cool names. So that always helps when you're a youngster coming through at United. You know, you, you want to get a mo- lot more excitement about if you called Andreas Pereira, not Scott McTominay. But, you know... Brazilian called Pereira. Andreas Pereira as well. Yeah. You know? And, you know, there was a time when Pereira did look like he could be a real player and he obviously likes to operate in attacking midfield position, which, again, is a, a very sexy position. And... and one where United fans they probably remember that goal he scored against Southampton when he curled it in from 25 yards. At, you know, Andreas is a player with, with no shortage of skill. I remember seeing him in a couple of Europa League games last season where he was basically taking the mick uh, at the end of games of United ahead in the game and him flicking and doing stepovers and Maradona turns and all that. But yeah, I think Joel Pereira, I think, is a bit of a moot point. I can't say I've seen too much of him in action because he's not really played Nobody that has, much. Yeah, yeah um, but I think Andreas... United probably need to let him go permanently now and he, he might benefit from, from that stability. He probably doesn't know where his United career stands at the moment and that's probably not a help to him, is it? I think a move back to Spain where he seemed to play some of his best football when he had two loan spells, I think at Valencia and Granada, it's probably, that'd probably be the best place for, for him and he's another one like Lingard who, after Bruno Fernandes came in, there was just just wasn't going to get a look in at, at Old Trafford and Fernandes has proven why. So, yeah, I think Andreas to move on in the summer wouldn't wouldn't be a huge surprise for anyone. 
Yeah, I think, like you said as well, with Fernandes coming, Fernandes just set the bar for what a Manchester United midfielder should be. When there wasn't that quality, Pereira sort of was at, was treading water and he was okay, he was getting by. He had a good game at Burnley away, I remember, over the festive period. He scored a great free kick in pre-season against Liverpool as well. And you thought, you know, United didn't have that sort of player. So there was an opportunity for Pereira. But when you compare him to what Fernandes has done, there's just there isn't a comparison. That's the whole point, really. And like you said, Pereira is, is, is a, a player technically superb and I think he could really make it in one of the, maybe the less physical leagues like you said I think maybe not Italy at the moment it's, it's quite strong as well at the top but certainly Spain uh, maybe even one of the like Dutch league or or something like that or, or the Bundesliga you know it could suit his style of play better but yeah his time at United is up now there's, there's no way back really and that's not a criticism of him per se about his performance levels or his attitude by any means it's just that he's just not good enough uh, you know the standard ahead of him is just so much better and yeah it's maybe a sad one but Andres Pereira it's not quite worked out for him but that's the whole point of a loan move like we said with Lingard you've got to take that risk and he wanted to take that risk and it's paid off for him but it's not going to pay off for everyone else um should we go to another player who was on the first team fringes Dom and Diogo Dallo United fans have seen a lot of him over the last fortnight with those two Europa League ties. United need a new right-back as cover for Aaron Wan-Bissaka. Dello is certainly a more versatile option and then he can play on the left as well and he's quite good going forward. But do you think he's actually got a future at United as a backup fullback? Yeah, I would have him as a backup fullback at United. I think that he's he's definitely good enough to do that role. We saw that in that season when um, Solskjaer took over and, and Dallow played a few games as, as basically a right winger, didn't he? And I think he came on against Southampton and really impressed in one game. He was he obviously played a big part in that PSG Champions League win with the shot that Kempembe handled or sort of handled. And I spoke to Dallow last season when he was sort of out of the, the picture. He played an under-23s game and I spoke to him afterwards and he, he said, I don't want to change my position. I don't want to be a backup. I want to be the first choice right back. And maybe that's what has set him back at United, given that United just paid £50 million for Aaron Wan-Bissaka. There was no way that Dallow was going to be the, the first choice right back. And Wan-Bissaka, you know, he has got his critics, but I think he's really nailed down that spot. And I think he's a great option um, at right back. Defensively, absolutely sound. Improving from an attacking point of view. And Solskjaer obviously wanted to start from that basis of having someone who could defend first. And then you embellish the game on top of that. And Dallow's almost the reverse. So... That's probably a long roundabout way of saying that I don't think Dallo has a future as United's right back cover or competitor, which is a shame because I do think I do rate him. It's just I just don't think Solskjaer sees it that way. Yeah, exactly. And maybe like you said, you've got to bring Wan Bissaka into this. And I think he is quite easy to critique at times when he maybe does make a mistake defensively. But you've got to remember United's last two right backs were Ashley Young and Antonio Valencia. And no offense to them, but they are just so below the standard that Aaron Wan Bissaka gives you every week. And like you said, Dom, I think. To be a, a backup fullback, you don't need to be world, world class. I think Dallow does tick those boxes. I just don't think that his interests and United interests are in the same place at the moment. You know, he's still young in his career. And, you know, when, you, when you've joined from FC Porto and there was so much interest in, in him that summer when he did move to United. And, you know, it was somewhat of a coup to, to get him to Old Trafford because United had to pay above his release clause to do so. You know, you, I, I think even from his point of view, it would be such acceptance that his young age to say I want to be a backup at Manchester United that's not good enough you want to be playing every week and if he has any aspirations of, of becoming a, a world-class right back then he needs to be doing so so like you said I think maybe 
it brings on to another right back as, as the player who could be covered to Alwan Basaka because although Dallo certainly has that versatility and that experience, I just don't think his interests are in line with United at the moment. But one player who is, is Ethan Laird. And of all the loans this season, he's one of the probably top three success stories. Don will get onto the football league loans. Ethan Laird at MK Dons. He's played a lot of football since he since he moved there in January. Um, he's obviously played for United in the Europa League already as well. Um, looks very good. And he looks, as you said, maybe the polar opposite of Juan Pesaka, someone who's very good going forward, probably question marks about him defensively, but a clear alternative to Juan Pesaka because he's good at all the things that, that Aaron Juan is not. Yeah, I think he might be he might be considered because of his age and because of obviously he's a homegrown player from the academy. Solskjaer, we know, is prepared to give give those homegrown players a chance. So I think he might be considered next season. I've been surprised by how much he's played actually at MK Dons because Laird did have his injury problems, uh, really restricted his involvement in under-23s football in, in the past season or two. So seeing him get regular game time, I think he's played as both a wing-back and your conventional uh, right-back on the, the right of a back four for MK Dons. He's doing very, very well. I think he's getting rave reviews from the um, from the manager who's already said that he'd quite like to see him next season. Well, it may depend on, I think, whether United go after a more senior right-back. There's been interesting... Kieran Trippier bringing him back to the Premier League from Atletico Madrid. That didn't happen in January because of Trippier's ban over breaching betting rules. I think United were cautious about how much he'd be available. Has left them a bit short from now to the end of the season, but then all of a sudden you've got Dallow coming back, you've got Laird coming back, you've got maybe interest in Trippier again in the summer. I'd be interested if United do do sort of avoid assigning that position and go with Laird. I'd be, I'd be excited by that. I know a lot of fans love to see new transfers coming in, but yeah, Laird does... He's always been talked about United by by the coaches as a real, real, real big talent and someone who could definitely make it in the first team. So I, I would love to see him given a chance, to be honest. Yeah, he was well ahead of sort of Brandon Williams as well in the, the sort of hierarchy at youth level. But then it was Brandon who who took his chance and, and sort of moved above him and is now a, a first team regular. Okay, he doesn't play too often, but he's always really in the matchday squads. He's always involved. And I guess that's what fans want to see from, from Ethan Laird going forward. Um, yeah, he's, he's an exciting talent. I think he's played 17 times for MK Dons already this season. None of those is a sub either. So he's starting every single week. And like you said, MK Dons are keen to keep him next season but you know even if he wasn't to to come back to United there'd certainly be sort of championship interested in him now you'd, you'd expect because he's had such an instant impact in League One and yeah he looks really really lively and from a United point of view he just looks like he solves solves a, a problem in the squad and he wouldn't cost a penny so you know it takes two boxes in that aspect I'd certainly like to see him stay for the first six months see how it works out maybe play in some of the Carabao Cup games, Champions League group stage games if there's any dead rubbers, give him sort of 20, 30 minutes in those and then evaluate it again next January. And fingers crossed he can stay injury-free and we can get a real sort of sense of, of where he's at to in his development. Another player who could return and be in the United fringes at least, Dom, is James Garner. You've written a piece about him as well on the MEM website, so please do check that out if you haven't already. But James Garner, you know, of all the loans this season, he's been the biggest success. Played quite a bit for Watford, then there was a managerial change United brought him back sent him straight out on loan to Nottingham Forest and he hasn't looked back he's been probably their key player this year in the calendar year Dom how good has he been yeah I spoke to a couple of Nottingham Forest fans uh, for another piece I did about him uh, a few weeks ago and they just couldn't stop raving about him and I think he'd only played about five or six times for them when I spoke to them and they were absolutely marveling at his passing range uh, how well he was coping with the physicality of the championship which I think was a worry for, for United when they sent Garner into that division. You know, he 
he did look like a little bit like a stiff breeze would blow him over uh, last year. Garner when he played for the under twenty threes, but I think he he's getting stronger. I think he's he's getting used to the tempo of that division. I think obviously the experience at Watford, which was a mixed one, that then really came to benefit him when he came came to Nottingham Forest and became like you say a key pillar in the side. I think if you've got Chris Uton, really experienced manager who's, who's been there and done it if he's raving about you then you're doing something right and, and like led Garner seems like another one who could come back and play some sort of role in the first team next season that's what I've written about today I don't see any reason why why he can't be given more of a chance he was nearly there a year or, or two ago so he, he really should be on the on the brink now yeah, he's, he's fantastic, you know, technically gifted as well. And I know you wrote in your piece as well, didn't you, Don, about how social made backtracked on comments comparing him to, to Michael Carrick when he first took over as caretaker. But he certainly is in that mould. And I guess it's one of those sort of lazy analogies, but there are obvious similarities with the way he dictates the play. And the fact that he's doing it now for Nottingham Forest, uh, while, while they're in a, a really tense relegation battle as well, pr- proves the trust that Hewton has in him. He's played 33 times in total this season at Garner. You know, 12 of those have been for Forest and only two of those times, only twice since he's been at the club has he not started one of them was his first game where he wasn't quite ready and then he came on as a sub anyway so yeah that experience is crucial and you know we've both spoken sort of academy figures haven't we Dom they emphasize the need for meaningful minutes not just to send someone out on loan to a club where he might play every week but where he's going to get a real experience because playing cameos in the United first team or playing week in week out for Nottingham Forest in the relegation battle they're going to learn so much more at Forest and you know I think that's been the other thing which United said there's that piece that you did as well in the year where you know I think Nick Cox said there is no such thing as a bad low move because players always learn something no matter where they are and James Garner is he's further evidence of why United have sent players out on loan this season and when it comes to the summer United coaches will point towards Garner and say look he is the sort of template the blueprints there that if you go out on loan you can have a real chance with progressing in your career whether it's at United or not and United deserve credit for that you know the way that they've overhauled the youth academy in the last few years particularly this season where they've prioritized players individual development over their own needs it's not only seeing people like charlie mcneil and joe hugel get accelerated chances at under 23s level but it's given the players who are at that crossroads a real chance to prove themselves but while there is a positive there's always got to be a negative as well dom and i guess the way that we always group james garner was it was him and dylan levitt hand in hand one of them's playing week in week out in the championship one of them's well, he's in Eastern Europe playing for Istra in 1961. Dylan Levitt's loan spells just haven't gone right for him this season. He didn't really get a look in at Charlton. And then he went off to the obscurities, didn't he? Uh, how have you rated it for him this year? I'm glad you remembered the name of that Croatian club because I was about to scrabble around to see if I could remember it. Yeah, obviously, Laird and Garner, yeah, like you say, went hand in hand. They both played in uh, that game against Astana in the Europa League last season when United basically just took the kids those two had obviously impressed in under-23s football. And the difference in them now is absolutely stark. Maybe some of them, some people would have probably put Levitt ahead of Garner uh, six months, a year ago, purely because of the international experience that he was getting. Ryan Giggs seemed to, to like him and was picking him in the Wales team. Obviously, Giggs is, isn't quite in charge of Wales at the moment. Maybe another complication for Levitt and he isn't getting any football at international level. At the moment, He's he's gone over to Croatia, which fair play to him. He, he wanted a, a lone move. He didn't get a, a different one than Charlton in January. So then he went and looked for somewhere else, which is, I think, to be commended. Um, I would maybe question that quote from head of academy Nick Cox about there's no such thing as a failed loan. I know what he means. I know that you know that players can take good experiences from from disappointing and and difficult times at clubs. So maybe that's what he was getting at. But 
I think you really expected Levitt to do well in League One with Charlton. That seemed, that seemed like a really good platform for him. Um, but obviously, he's still young. I think he's only 20 still. And he can come back and maybe the experience in Croatia will benefit him. The only problem is he, he come, he'll come back into a United Academy with Garner there, with other midfield talents. Charlie McCann has really impressed me this season in the under-23s. Hannibal Medbury as well. He might be be one to go on loan, having just signed a new contract with United and approaching 18, 19 a good age to go on loan. There's lots of competition there and, and Levitt is yeah, is he's got a real challenge on his hands, I think. Yeah, like you said, you could argue that particularly with that Wales experience he was getting last summer, he was maybe the top of the, the sort of youngsters who are young midfielders, the likes of Galbraith, McCann and Garner. And now he's probably dropped to the bottom of that pile. And even for the Wales squad, you know, he was including it, but he wasn't on the bench when they lost to Belgium on Wednesday night. Uh it's it's a difficult one at the moment for for Dylan Levitt. The difficulties as well, you know, going forward, like you said, Dom, it's easy to say that that a player has learned something from a bad experience, but his career is really stagnated and his confidence will be low as well. You know, you're involved in a a relegation battle in the Croatian Premier Division. And like you said, it's on one hand, you've got to praise him for actually going out there and taking that risk because it was one of the only chances of windows open to him. And he still wanted to go out there and prove his doubters wrong, really. But then if that doesn't pay off, then... Although you've gained valuable experience, you might find it difficult for, for teams to take a, a punt on you at the end of the season. So it's an interesting one to watch. And maybe he will just need a period back at the under-23s to find his feet, to get that confidence and then evaluate it once again. But I guess his story, especially juxtaposition next to Garner, is the evidence of you know how a low move can have a make or break your United career. And one player mm-hmm. whose United career could be defined by a low move is Fakundu Palestri, joined United on deadline day last summer. Uh, I spoke to someone at the club who said, you know, that he, he more or less was an under-23 signing, but with the belief he would go into the first team after he sort of bedded in. So maybe his expectations aren't quite as high as Ahmad's are. You know, there's probably more hype about him, particularly with the fee. But Fakundu Palestri still adapting to life in European football. I know the United... Academy hierarchy were really impressed by by his attitude when he joined United because he he got hold of Neil Wood, the manager's number, to, on his own and phoned him up and said, I want to be part of this under-23s team. I know that I'm maybe here for the first team, but I want to give my all for, for the reserve level. The players took to him really quickly. He really made a good impression. And now he's over in Spain with Alaves and he seems to be doing well as well. But again, maybe there's got to be too much concentration as a winger on your stats, on your goals, your your assists. But for him, it's just about getting up to speed of European football, really, isn't it? Yeah, and I think the plan for Polistri's has been quite good. He did have that time bedding in, like you say, to United after signing from Uruguay. That's always going to be a major transition period. And Neil Wood said that after one to twenty three's game, this is a a huge change and he's arriving into a city in Manchester, which has been in lockdown for most of the times that he was there. He probably wasn't getting out much and, you know, it was it was probably just playing and then going home and playing and then going home, training with the first team, which is probably a bit of a daunting experience in itself. But from under 23s football to then going out on loan to maybe an environment that he's more comfortable with, with, with Spanish speakers in La Liga, that seems like a really obvious fit and it, it seems like it's paying slowly off for, for Police Street. I think you're absolutely right, Rich, when saying you shouldn't compare him to, to Ahmad. For a start, the fees involved with the two players were, were very, very different. Nine million for Police Street and something that could rise to 37, 38 million for Ahmad if, if it all pays off. So, yeah, I think one to be patient with Police Street, but he's obviously a, a big talent. Uh, I look forward to seeing him more of him, to be honest with you. I think he's uh, it'd be an interesting one next season where he fits in after coming back from his loan to Alaves, whether it is as a fringe first-teamer or, or plays more under-23 football. It'd be interesting to see. 
Yeah, it's, yeah, I guess that's the fascination, isn't it? Like we said, Palestri. Who knows? Who knows what he's going to be? But that's the excitement. Hopefully, going under Nobody the radar. We've seen much of him in Uruguay. Let's be honest. We hadn't seen anything of him when he arrived at United. So he was a, a massively unknown quantity. Yeah, exactly. And I spoke to a South American scout just after he signed, who said that he really was surprised that that Palestri was moving not only to Europe but to Manchester United. That there was a so, yeah, like I said, it was a bit of a shock even in South America. Okay, he was one of the best players in, in Uruguay, but Uruguay itself isn't one of the strongest leagues. So usually a player would maybe go to Argentina, Brazil, then move to somewhere like Portugal or like Russia, and then you'd make your stepping stones to Western Europe. So a really interesting one, and, and hopefully he can surprise lots of us. But excited to see what the future holds for him. Another winger, though, Dom, and many people probably forget he's even at United, is Tahith Chong had a disappointing spell with Werder Bremen. He started well, and, you know, on social media, there's lots of clips of him in training every day. But his playing time was just cameos at the end of games. His move to Werder Bremen was basically to be cover for Rashika if, if, if he left, but... Their star winger, Kosovan, never left. So Chong's playing time was never really going to get going. He's hard done by with that one. But now he's gone to Club Bruges. He's looking much better there. He's played six times, I think, in the league for Club Bruges. And he's got five assists already in those games. He's looking much more confident. But on the other hand, is that just maybe his level? I was going to say that, yeah. I do think that with Chong, that whenever he seemed to play in the United first team last season after thriving in the under-23s, it always seemed like too big a step. He seemed like he, he was operating somewhere between those two voids and he looked just like a fish out of water in the first team, but then he looked far too good for the, the 23s. So maybe a league like Belgium is the right place for him. I would have liked to see more of him in the Bundesliga with Werder Bremen. That would have been a, a nice challenge if he'd been able to get more football, but he didn't. And maybe that's for the same reasons why he didn't thrive in the United first team. I think we could be heading towards the end of the road with Chong, I wouldn't be surprised. I think his deal has got another year to expire, I think, yeah. in the summer. I think he's had a new fresh two-year deal last year, so could be the time to cash in on him. You know, he, he, he's not the youngest of this batch that we're talking about, is he? So, yeah, I, I wouldn't be surprised. I think Angel Gomez took the opposite approach, didn't he, when he went to go and play football. And he went, he's now at Vista doing well in Portugal. Chung got to the loan uh, and stick with United, but I think he'll, he'll be 22 uh, later this year. So, yeah, maybe the end of the road with that one. Yeah, it's one of those players that soon catches up on you. And he was probably, there was a period where he was the most exciting youngster in the United Academy. And now he's, he's a bit mundane, isn't it? He doesn't get too excited when you watch him. He was like Iron Robin-esque, you know, when he was playing for the under 23s, cutting in on his left. And then he had that weird period where he came to the first team. All his cameos seemed to be on the left wing. Then he had that period last year where he played at left back sometimes as sort of cover yeah, yeah. and you just don't know what his best position is and I think that's the, the other crucial thing for him he, he not only needs to be playing now but he really needs to bed down on his best position and make make a name for himself you know in, in an ideal world maybe United do get rid of him and include either a buyback fee or you know have some sort of release clause in his contract going forward just in case he did really push on because he's clearly got the talent but you know there's so many variables when you're a young player which can knock you off the tracks really but it's not one who looks like he'll come back to the United first team and dislodge anyone, particularly now that you've got Palestri and Ahmad ahead of him as well in the pecking order. Uh, Dom, let's get on to the defensive side of things. And two players here who've really impressed since they've left from Lola, Dijon Bernard and Ted and Mengi. Maybe we'll get on to Mengi afterwards. We'll start with Dijon Bernard, doing really well at Salford. He's not only played at centre-back, he's played at wing-back as well at times. 
again, another player who, who's maybe got first-team aspirations in mind, but at centre-backs as well particularly, you've seen it with Axel Twanzebe, that being good as a youngster doesn't necessarily mean that you're going to make that massive leap to first-team physicality and that the challenges of it either. But Dijon Bernard is certainly one who, who is impressing on loan and looks like no matter what, he will have a successful career in the Football League. Yeah, Mengi and Bernard were partners, weren't they, in the under-23s uh, central defence. And I think they, they both went to that trip to Astana that I keep referencing back. It's basically a lot of these players' only experience of senior football, so that's why I keep going back to it. Uh, Bernard played instead of Mengi, actually, when, when that game came around. I think Mengi had not long just turned 17, so he was possibly considered a little bit too raw and green to, to play there. But Mengi's probably overtaken him now. Bernard, like you say, probably one of those who will get a good career somewhere in the leagues. Uh, you know, we know that United are, are superb at churning out these talents and they do end up having really solid careers. You know, think back at people like Danny Higginbottom or, uh, you know, players like that uh, who just go on and... I was and not expecting the Danny Higginbottom drop. I was not expecting Danny Higginbottom, a fantastic product of the United Academy. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Exactly. And even I always people... the goalkeepers, really, when I think of United, sort of, you know... Yeah, you ben, Amos ben Foster, and Ben, ben Amos. Foster. yeah. Sam Johnston, players like that who all, you know, at least Championship Premier League quality, and there seems to be so many. You always look through, there's, there's a lot of them, but you look for every league and there will be Formula United players at the top half, at the bottom half, and that's just the way the academy works. But like you said, Bernard is another one. Yeah, he, he's, he's a solid talent. I, th- I think he'll have his work cut out if he wants to make the United first team. We've seen how difficult Axel Tonzebi has found that last little step into the into the first team, especially when you, you get in the the club spending £80 million on a centre-back and they may spend 50 £60, £70 million on another centre-back this summer. That remains to be seen. Uh, Mengi is obviously a huge, huge talent and has the advantage of being a couple of years younger, has the advantage of having played his football this season in the Championship with Derby uh, under Wayne Rooney. I really would like to see him in the first-team squad next season as the third or fourth-choice centre-back if if United can get him there and if United have got the confidence in him to do that. I think he's a, a, a superb talent, not just his physical prowess, but he, he reads the game so well. He's a leader on the pitch. He just seems like a, a ready-made Premier League centre-back at surely only a matter of time before he is one. I think United fans will hope that it is for them. Yeah, exactly. And you, I know lots of people point towards the age, and I've always got to be a hypocritical here, but you look at what Eric Garcia did at City, you look at Nat Phillips at Liverpool, they're two youngsters who are holding their own in the Premier League because they've got that physicality and that reading of the game, which no matter what level you're at, you, you can adapt to. And I think certainly I'd like to see Ted and Mengi. Maybe he might need another year with Derby or someone like that just to get him even more bulked up and more savvy. And, you know, you've got to, to be a Manchester United centre-back, you've not only got to be very good, but you've got to have that sort of game management and know what you can and can't get away with. And particularly against some of the, the, the strikers you come against in, in the Premier League, who not only combine sort of physicality, but pace as well. It's the ultimate test for, for any centre-back. But like I said, Don, I'd like to see him eventually within the next year or so, given a chance in the United squads, you know, given those Carabao Cup games and given those opportunities as well, similar to Laird and, and Garner, he's still maybe a bit too young for, for that, but we'll have to wait and see, but certainly exciting as well. And he's been getting away rave reviews from Wayne Rooney as well, which is a bit of a tongue twister to say, you know, when you've not rehearsed it. So uh, sorry <laughs> got through that one. Uh, but yeah, that's it. Uh, in terms of maybe the players who have left on loan, I'm trying to think if I can think of anyone else. There was like Alu Torreore and Connor Stanley, but they probably won't be names that maybe many United fans know either. But Dom, should we maybe look at the players who could leave on loan or maybe that we expect to, to see leave on loan this summer as a way to end today's podcast? Yeah, um, so I think the ones at the top of the list for the summer uh, will be Mate Kovar, the goalkeeper, who spent the first half of last season 
on loan at Swindon. Had a, a fair amount of game time, but then it's quickly turned into a, a very difficult time for him. He made a couple of high-profile mistakes, and I think Swindon fans... Uh, I think he gave one were, clean sheet, didn't they, in half yeah, the season? But it was, by being yeah. behind one of the worst defences in that league, I think, and they were in a relegation battle. So for a 20, 21-year-old, I think he is, that was really tough. But I think he's now got his confidence back playing for the under-23, so he'll, he'll be keen to to prove that he can do it out on loan. And you've seen with Dean Henderson how much loans down the leagues can really give a goalkeeper that experience and just the game time that they need. So I expect him to definitely go. Ethan Galbraith as well, would you say, Rich? He was a bit of a surprise that yeah. he didn't go on loan this season. Yeah, I was surprised he didn't leave on loan. He certainly seems to, to be at that crossroads now that we keep on alluding to, the one that sort of Chong was at. And you know, you get to that stage where, do you want to be the best player at the under-23s every week? Or do you want to take that risk and, and go play senior football? I know there was some some interest shown in Ethan Laird back in January as well, but nothing quite materialised. But he's someone who's played for Northern Ireland, you know, at an international level. And he's someone who's got another fine career ahead of him. I agree that he needs to take that next step. And, and yeah, he's 19, Galbraith. So, it's, yeah. yeah, like you say, perfect age for, for him to go this summer. He'll turn 20 in the summer. So, yeah, he, he probably needs a good season. And I can see him in the in the league somewhere, Championship or League One, for sure. You've already mentioned Hannibal as well. You know, the, there's so many attacking players like that that United have are exciting. You just wonder what, what league he'd go to, really, because he is slight. He's so technically gifted. He's kind of got all those cliches, hasn't he, as a, as a number 10 sort of talisman Um what, what, where would you like to see him go? Which type of league do you think he would be able to not only flourish, but have a good challenge as well? Yeah, Neil Wood, the under-23s manager, said that it was basically too soon that they, they deemed uh, Hannibal Medjabri sort of un, unavailable for, for loan, basically, in January or even last summer because they thought that the physicality of, of anywhere, really, any senior league would be too much for him. But I think that is some some part of his game that he is improving on. And... It's interesting whether you would send him to the Championship or League One where he could just be kicked out of the game and you obviously don't want that. At the same time, you want him to be hardened up and to, to get accustomed to that sort of treatment to try and deal with it the best he can. I would suggest maybe um, a move to the French League. He's obviously come from, from Monaco and he'd be at home there in terms of the, the lifestyle and, and the language. And if he could get into the into a Liga side, top division in France, that would be a surely a really good experience for for Medjubri. and like I said before in the podcast he's at that perfect age now he'll be turning 19 soon and yeah it's just a perfect time to get out there and, and prove how much of a talent he is because anyone who's watched him in the 23s this season will will know it. he's a, a you know a really exciting one yeah exactly I, I agree with you I don't think it's perfect for him just need to see what what materializes really but certainly lots of excitement for United and like we said it's one of the things that maybe goes unnoticed by some fans but by those of you who care it really is a strong passion for you as well the academy level so we hope that today's podcast the loan report has given you a bit more of maybe insight on that and if there's any players you want maybe even more depth on or more background to then please do let us know in the comments and the replies and we'll be sure to, to feature that on a, on a podcast in the future but dom thank you very much for joining us today for the loan report Thank you. It's been a pleasure. And thank you very much for listening as well. As always, please do leave a like and subscribe if you haven't already. And we'll see you again next time on the Manchester is Red podcast.